This is Season 2, Episode 14 of the Language Mastery Show with Inez Ruiz. Here's a little sample of what's coming up. We can take their mindset to the right place. That student that is coming to your class, John, is going to have his head way more clear and more into the game. If, for example, we were just priming them for three minutes, I'm okay making mistakes. I know I'm going to learn a little every day. I'm okay not pronouncing everything perfectly. Uh, you know, all these positive things, and then they just feel like, I can do this, you know, and I'm okay. You know, we take off all that pressure. In today's show, I chat with Inez Ruiz, an award-winning entrepreneur, a former Spanish teacher at Cambridge University, and now the founder and CEO of Medita Spanish, the world's first language and meditation app. For show notes, go to languagemastery.com slash show. All right, enjoy my chat with Inez. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing well. I just got to my folks place a few hours ago and my uh brother and his whole family are up visiting from california so we've got little nieces and nephews running around and yeah that's cool yeah i wish i could just jump on to see my parents they are in spain so <laughs> uh, yeah and, and you're in the uk or where no i'm i'm in georgia you're i'm in georgia here, now. I'm in the okay but you did teach yeah. you used to teach uh in the yes. UK, yes yeah, yes okay. but my husband he's in the air force so we uh, are now a teacher. In Georgia, got yeah. it. Yeah, I've been through Georgia. When I yeah, was that's my what everybody parents. says. Just to go to Florida, exactly. Yeah. I will not call it a flyover state. That's that's prejudice, and I won't say that. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you have opinions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we are like in the south, south. So we are like deep, deep Georgia. We are mm-hmm. um, actually ten miles from Florida. Oh wow! So. Yeah, but it's like very deep um, South feeling here. Yeah. Was it a culture shock for you? Um, yes. Uh, also because we were coming from Cambridge, you know, and it was more right. like super international. And you know, uh, But once you get the grip of it and you just kind of go right. after the first layers of the conversation of the first layers of what their beliefs are, then it's people is people are people, right? So people generally, and once they know you like those things, you know, then you are not, you are, I will say you are not part of the other group, but they kind of put you in the human side, you know? Um, right. So right. yeah. I, yeah. The in group out yeah. group thing is really interesting because that circle can be it can change so yeah. fast i think you are part level, of them right? or part of us so i think the right. moment you start they start seeing you as a human as a person then you are part of us right uh but i had that yes. in england too you know when i i, I remember mm-hmm. uh with the students from cambridge university who you know those kids are like the smartest kids on earth right and we will have conversations and we had like conversation classes with them and one of these uh, you know, newspaper article was about immigration and they were all about, you know, immigrants, um, you know, taking the money or going to the doctor and all of that. And then I was like, guys, do you realize I'm one? And they're like, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> guys, exactly. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like, it's hard to do that. 
individual or just the whole group and when you become one of them or one of us that's um so I was aware of that so I'm used to those things just because you know I've been an immigrant for 10 years now so it's kind of uh but I really appreciate the weather you know we we live in England for six years we I didn't see the sun (laughs) years so coming here it was I really enjoyed the outdoors and everything so I'm grateful and I, I found it really interesting uh, from a European perspective. You know, the whole American culture, it's, it's, it's a whole other world for real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's so many sub-worlds culturally too. I mean, just like in the UK, I mean, it's not, it's like, it's not some homogenous one cultural entity. I mean, the United States, southern, you know, Southeast versus Southwest versus Northwest versus Northeast. And even within I mean, even within Washington State, where, where I'm from, the west side of the state versus the east side of the state, it's almost like a blue state and a red state. It re- I mean, it's it's very culturally distinct. I mean, the east side where we live now is much more conservative, much more, um, you know, traditional in many ways. And then, the you know, the west side near, you know, the urban area near Seattle, where I grew up, is much more progressive and multicultural and yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like each is, each state is its own country, mm-hmm. but then it's the same. Like even in Spain, you know, we have four official languages. I'm actually from the part that we speak a dialect of Catalan. So, oh, really? if, yeah, I'm from um, Alicante, so we speak Valencian, which mm-hmm. is a dialect from Catalan. Uh, so I grew up bilingual. So you right. know, I'm used to all that, you know, fan of cultures all together. Right. But here, it's just because you see the United States, you feel like, you know, that um, it's homogeneous, like everybody's part of it. But then each state is just like a whole different country. We went to Louisiana, to New Orleans last month. And it was just like, I'm like, I'm not in the States. I don't know where I am. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So it was shocked, but, you know, I'm, I'm really, I love learning and I'm very curious and, you know, I feel that. You know, by having conversations, I get to understand them and I get as well to open their minds a bit because maybe, you know, they are the first immigrant they talk with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for them, it's just like open up and see things differently. So, And I think since you have the the language and the linguistic side of it, too, I, I think you can you can go deeper than others would have. They don't have that that same language power, because I I always think of you know, having the ability to speak a foreign language is like scuba gear, right? And if you go to another country and you don't speak the local language, you're just on the surface. Mm -hmm. You can can maybe look under the water a little bit, but you can't really see anything. But if you learn at least a little bit of the the local language, then you start to swim under the water. And then when you reach fluency, then you can go as deep as you want, you know, and you realize that there's this iceberg of culture underneath Just like language is like the door to the culture, right? Mm -hmm. But you speak the language, then you can get into conversation. Are there any, uh, going the other way, are there assumptions that you've been confronted with by Americans about, you know, the culture in Spain or in Catalan, like about, you know, were there, were there ignorant assumptions or things that you've seen as being uh, either far from the truth or maybe not quite uh, an authentic take on reality that you've experienced? Well, a lot of people, they they have a hard time with the Spain thing. So, uh, you know, being a Spanish, I will tell them that I'm a Spanish and they will ask me from which country. And I'm like, from the only country that you can be Spanish, like from Spain. Um, right. So, 
it's just general judgment like everybody like it's funny because my husband will be like yeah you are just all pretty girls and dancing flamenco and I'm like yeah we get out of the boom dancing flamenco (laughs) and drinking sangria Uh, but it's more I don't feel we have so much, um, you know, it's, it's more like Europe, right? They put us into, yeah, it's an, it's an exotic place, but it's also like the whole Europe. They can, I feel they kind of put us all, you know, in one with the food and the travel and everything. It's like we're very different, right. but at the same time, it's kind of once you go to Europe, you kind of just go to one country, right? It's just so easy uh, to go to one or the other country. Right. Um, but it's more that judgment towards the Latino part, you know. Or, or they are more like, oh, you are like real Spanish. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of affects people that speak Spanish in other <laughs> non-European countries. It's like they're no less yeah. real. Yeah. Well, I get that debate a lot with, uh, you know, people from England, for example. And we talk about different mm-hmm. dialects of English. And there is this assumption, I think, that British English is somehow more correct. Or they do the, exactly the same. Uh, that's yeah. the ideal or or the proper version, and that, and that anything else other than that is a bastardization or is a incorrect version of English. I, mean, I whoa, actually whoa, whoa, have whoa, whoa, extremes whoa, whoa. to that. Yeah. I have the ones that are like, yeah, your Spanish is the Castilian mm. is the correct Spanish, and then I have other ones that are like, no, I don't want your Spanish. I want the Latin American Spanish because that's the one I'm going to use. Uh, so I got both, you know, right. sides of the cone when it's like, guys. Right. Like Spanish is the Spanish. Of course, you're going to have different words that we don't say in um, in Cuba that we say in Spain. But at the same time, what you were saying, mm-hmm. there are words in the north of Spain that as in the south, we might not use. Um, so right, it's, just- right. it's why it's really important, I think, if you're choosing like a tutor. Obviously, if you're in a college class or a you know high school class, yeah. you can't necessarily choose your teacher and where they're from. But if you're... Like I advocate using Italki, for example, to choose your own tutor. And I do think when you have that choice, there is an advantage of choosing a speaker from yeah. the place where you want to go. Just so you can get used to it. You can learn the, you know, certain vocabulary that's going to be more yeah. common in that place. But that said, that should not be a filter that completely blocks you from ever speaking to somebody. And, and it's also like the attitude of the teacher. I, I will always, you know, when I teach Spanish, I will always be like, okay, guys, I'm going to teach you the Spanish pronunciation, like from Spain, just because, um, mm-hmm. you know, they pronounce the Z as an S um, in Latin America, but we don't. Right. So, and I tell them, listen, I just want you to learn the rules from Spanish, just because it's easier for you when you spell it. Because if you say Zapato, you know that's with a C, but if you say zapato, right. then you are going to put in the exam with an S, right? Zapato. So I'm like, I would, I just want you to understand the difference. And once you feel comfortable, go ahead and use whichever uh, dialect or whichever way you want uh, to speak. And even whenever I explain something, I will be like, and in some countries in Latin America, they say like that, or, you know, like explain that difference and be like, Choose whichever you want. Um, you know, I just want from a, a exam perspective, I don't want you to make this mistake. So just learn it like that and then go ahead and, you know, talk the, if you come to the, if, they, if we were doing like the uh, speaking exam, I will be accepting any kind of dialect or any kind of, you know, pronunciation or the S mm-hmm. or the Z, but just for, for the writing, I will be like, just, uh, you know, uh, learn it first with the Z and then you guys can do whatever you want. But it's like show them right. that variety within a language, you know, 
all the different ways of saying things or, you know, that richness of, of a language. That's something that the teachers as well have to, um, you know, come, come across in the, in the classroom. Definitely. And it's, it's so fast too how it changes. I mean, even, I mean, we're talking so far about sort of established dialects of like Spanish or of English, but even within a dialect of Spanish or English, then there's all yeah. these sub hyper regional, yeah. right. Dialectal differences. There's generational differences. There's, you know, specializations in different industries where everyone has their own special vocabulary, which I now have learned a lot of times it's intentionally made to be, you know, back yeah. to the in-group out-group thing is you're showing, you know, that you're part of this in-group by using certain words that, that other people don't. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. And then every three or four years, the generations change and they have their own words that sort of exclude, you know, the old fogies yeah. out of that group. And so. now, for example, now, um, you know, if I review my, my materials from maybe like, you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, uh, I will not explain it in the same way. For example, gender, uh, you know, with mm-hmm. the pronouns for he or she, you know, it, it's mm-hmm. like a, the language evolves with us. So, you know, we have just to be catching up on how we say these things or, you know, what kind of words they use operating to our daily life and how, um, how to better communicate at the end of the day. That's, that's the point. Yeah. I always remind people that languages are a tool for communication. That's it. It's, it is a means to an end. It is not the end. Yes. I love in your website, you have something that it was like, what don't I mean by mastery? I love that section. Yes. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause that's, it's a longer story. I mean, I, I chose the, the title language mastery originally. Uh, it was just cause it was the only domain I could find, uh, way back, you know, 10 years ago when I started the blog. Um, and I always, I, I, I like the idea of mastery and I've always, I think, especially cause of my background in like martial arts and coming out from my Japanese perspective about, you know, mastering a skill over many, many years of, of effort. But when it comes to languages, I think people always assume because I have this word mastery in my blog title and in my book titles that, that I'm about perfection, that yeah. I'm about some really, you know, like never making mistakes or like, it's like, no, 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 no. That's not it yeah. at all. I mean, I, it's mastery for you. What, what is mastery for your needs? So if you're traveling to Spain for two weeks in the summer and your goal is just to, you know, eat delicious tapas and, and sit on a beach, then mastery for you yeah. would be about food, uh, you know, finding uh, different places or direction words, that kind of stuff. You don't need to talk about finance, probably. You don't need to talk about, uh, you know, you don't need the same kind of vocabulary and grammar points necessarily you'd need if you were yeah. going to be working. And that's. That's where a lot of the students get stuck, right? We we actually have a meditation, which is like priming the students to before a class. And it's like positive affirmation. So it's like, I'm okay making mistakes. I know I will learn and I will, you know, improve and all of that. And one of the sentences is, I feel confident and I'm, um, I speak fluently in Spanish. And one of the students was like, whoa, when I heard that sentence, I was like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, okay. What's the problem? What's what's the definition of fluent for you? I think that's where the problem is. Not that you don't right. feel confident. So it's like, well, are you are you interchanging the word fluency with perfection? That's the, that's the problem. It's not that Same you cannot for you talking fluent exactly. is just have a conversation, right? Be able to communicate. 
do you need do you speak perfectly in english every day no even english speaker i can i can Never, I yeah. do grammar mistakes. Absolutely. I can take like 10 grammar mistakes a day for my husband and he's American. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah. And I will learn almost every single day. I come across anywhere from one to 10 new English words that I've never seen or that I've seen maybe, and I'm not hundred percent sure what it actually means. And I've been, I mean, do I you use the Kindle? Lot. You know, I'm, I uh, sometimes I actually use okay. I have the Kindle. It's app just because I love I love reading and I have like this um, word help. So you kind of if you click in the word, it tells you um, the definition and then it kind of mm-hmm. saves the one. So it's really interesting for I, I learn a lot right. of new words as well with the you know reading. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I think especially um, if anyone's listening that is learning English, I think. Or, I mean, lots of other languages too, but obviously English has probably the most books yeah. available on Kindle of of all languages. And yeah, definitely using the Kindle to learn English is so powerful because of what you just said. You can look up words yeah. in context as you're reading and not have to stop, get the dictionary out, look it up. But then it saves it. And I think the not the Kindle app, but the actual physical Kindle also can then do a... Um, they might have changed this, but last time I checked, it had a um, yeah. I think you can do like a test. Yeah, I think you can do like a test later with all yeah. the words that you've clicked on. You don't even need to save it if you actually click on it. I think it saves yeah. it to to right. the list. Yeah, which is cool because often I think people won't take the extra step to go and create their own flashcards, even though that's probably ideal. But it's already done, so it's one less. It's less Completely. friction, and just by clicking, you know, it's not like lazy to go and save and everything no just when you click it right. it will it will save it for you yep yeah done is better <laughs> than perfect yep and I, I like the idea that the you know the imperfect study habits that you stick to are better than the perfect mm-hmm. habits you quit which is usually the case right people set these super high lofty standards like i'm gonna read you know, one book a week in Spanish and I'm going to talk to a tutor for an hour a day. And then they do that for a week and they're like, Oh, this is really hard. And I'm, I can't keep this up. And then they quit completely instead of just, you know, I'm going to commit to five minutes a day and then get that going and then build up momentum of doing five minutes every day for like a month. And then the cool thing there is that it's part of your identity. You've built that habit so long that now I'm a person that studies every day, no matter what. one, one of my one of my mentors he he said this to us and I and I love it because like if you get uh, one ha- new habit a month you know by the end of the year you're gonna have twelve new habits and it's not about you know this month that's mm. the thing I feel that we all go into uh, you know these big things when it's more about okay this month I'm going to commit to go to the gym twice twice a week you know or I'm gonna commit to read at least half an hour a week you know do something but do it in a way that it's doable because at the end of the day if you are putting some your um, expectations this high then it's just gonna put more pressure on you you're gonna end up hating it it's like it has to be something that is achievable and then you know you stick um, you stick to it for a month then is what you're saying it just becomes part of you and then next month you can add some something else extra you know like another thing or another step or right. um and i i really like that approach because it makes it 
you know, you are looking at the long term, you know, we are not here for the quick fix, but for the long term, how are we going to uh, get better? And if in 12 months I can have 12 new amazing habits or 12 new skills, like that's just um, amazing. Imagine how many we can collect in our lives, right? Right. Definitely. No, I like that idea of doing it one per month and then adding them up. Um, I recently read uh, James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, which goes into a lot of the habit formation stuff. And one of his points he made I really like is that if you're trying to start a new habit, you probably firstly need to break that habit into multiple tiny sub habits. So he gives the example of working out like at a gym. And most people, part of why they fail is they're trying to adopt five or six habits actually at once. Going to the gym is, is five or six different habits. And so his whole thing is, your first habit you need to get is just going to the gym. That's it. And so literally you set the commitment that I'm going to go to the gym yep. and that's it. Walk inside the gym yeah. and then you walk right out or you walk in and then like you just sit down, put it, whatever it is. And so it's that one tiny micro habit that gets established. Then you can add yeah. the next one and then the next one. And so I think language learning is kind of the same thing. It's, it's so it's, I mean, it's at least the four skills, right? You know, listening, speaking, reading, writing. And then each of those is, you could be divided into lots of other tiny micro habits. Um, so maybe a good example is like, okay, you want to practice speaking more with a tutor instead of uh, maybe it's just you show up for five minutes once a week or 15, whatever it is. And maybe it's even mostly English and just a tiny little bit of your target language, even though it's ideal to do all target language, yeah. maybe that's too, but at least you're putting yourself in that situation. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, you're making it stick. Um, so in your experience teaching Spanish, I'm curious if there are certain mistakes that you saw a lot of students make both in terms of Spanish specifically. so like interference problems from, from English or whatever their native language was. And then also about like study habits or things you saw that the successful students did differently than the less successful yeah. students. What what I concentrate now, like um, you know, I used to teach at higher um, at um, university level for years, and then um, I actually created a school and we certified teachers. So I'm you know helping teachers as well find better ways to teach Spanish. And now we are uh, concentrating on the students and how can we make them learn easier? And one of the things that I realized through the years teaching is like the difference between the students who were, because if we think, I think it's really easy to see in an environment like Cambridge University, where I used to work, where all of them were brilliant, right? It's like we have, I would say like a standardized level. Um, You know, while I was working at other universities, the level will be, you know, more different or, you know, um, they will have, they will be more advanced or less advanced, but at the environment that I was teaching, they were almost, you know, pretty standard, the level, um, they had. So mm-hmm. for me, it was, it was like one of the biggest takeaways. It was like the difference was their attitude and the difference is the mindset they have about it. That's why we concentrate now in that part, because I feel that's what makes the total difference. And then, you know, I just started researching more about the effective filter theory and all the things, mm-hmm. yes, all the things that really impact the learning, you know. And when you look at it, um, you know, Gardner also, he had a, a study where he talks about uh, learners factors 
and only 20% is about the um, intelligence, the skills. The rest is all mindset, mm -hmm. attitude, uh, perseverance, motivation, other things that have nothing to do with their intellectual level or their skills. So that's one of the things that, you know, got my attention. And that's why we are doing what we're doing now, because we, I feel, and, you know, the team that we're working on, we feel that if we change the way they think about the learning process, that's going to make learning Spanish mm -hmm. or any language, you know, easier, not just, you know, how do you conjugate verbs? How do you, but if, uh, you know, for example, the right. meditation I was telling you before, it's a meditation that we do, we recommend them to use it before going to class or before they have a conversation class. So if you see how that student changes in the meditation is three minutes from going to frustrations of whatever kind, you know, everybody, we all have, we just with the listeners, we can take their mindset to the right place. That student that is coming to your class, John, is going to have his head way more clear and more into the game. If, for example, we were just priming them for three minutes, I'm okay making mistakes. I know I'm going to learn a little every day. I'm okay not pronouncing everything perfectly. Uh, you know, all these positive right. things. And then they just feel like, I can do this, you know, and I'm okay. You know, we take off all that pressure. So for me, like uh, the mindset, the motivation, the, I will say also the resilience, um, of the students, because you have the students who, when they say something wrong, you see how they sink, right? They know they said something yes. wrong, they feel so bad, and they just sink, and God, you know, and when you feel that you are okay making mistakes, and you understand that by making mistakes, that's how you're gonna learn, that changes the, the mood, that changes right. the conversation, and that student, you don't lose it. You know, whenever a student who makes a mistake, gets a stack, you lost it, you know? But if you, you create an environment yeah. when he's okay and he, he has the resilience to make a mistake and come back, that's, those are the things that we feel that we need to work on, that um, motivation, reducing anxiety, and the resilience of them being okay making mistakes and coming back um, after that. Definitely. Yeah, it's so important. And I, I think it's one of those... I think motivation and attitude and psychology, as you said, it's, it's 80% of the learning process, but it, I think it's an 80% blind spot yes. for a lot of learners, especially newer learners. You know, they think, they think they need the strategies and like how to conjugate uh, these memory enhancing <laughs> tips and exactly right. Right. Yes. Which yes, that's important. But to your point, you're going to be able to remember those things and practice those things so much more effectively if you go in with an attitude yes. of positivity and not being afraid yeah. to, to have a go. And it's okay. It's okay for you if you want to, I prefer you communicating than you making the perfect sentence and taking you 30 minutes. You know, if you don't know how to conjugate right. the verb, just tell me the infinitive. It's okay. You know, is that feeling of it's mm -hmm. okay. Just try to communicate and be present instead of being in your head is the third person, is it feminine or masculine? <laughs> you know, you love them. Right, that's the right. thing. When they get into their heads, that's when, you know, the student is, is gone. Instead of being here, being present, being looking at you, how you're reacting and having that um, communication, you right. know? Right. Well, they'll also never get to fluency that way because what fluency is, is that you have developed subconscious <laughs> competence. Right. You're not you're not even aware of what you're doing because it's been so internalized. And 
you're not if you just always do conscious level translating and you know that is a that's the wrong road I and think. that that's where everybody gets a stack right or i don't know if it happens to you but it mm-hmm. happens to me a lot that people come to me and be, they are like oh my god i studied spanish for four years in high school and the only thing i can say is like donde esta la biblioteca you know things like that that make right. no sense i feel that the other thing missing is making the language meaningful for them you know and something that uh, they right. use Make, what we always say to our students is make the language part of your life, not to have a compart- com, right. you know, a compartment on Mondays at four, I have my class and that's it. But it's more like make it part of your life um, and getting used to it instead of being, you know, one off or something that you feel very conscious, you know, they feel very conscious about it. The word get used to, I think is, is such an important phrase, especially with languages. Um, there's a Japanese blogger who he isn't really active anymore named Katsumoto. And he had a great quote, which is you don't learn mm. a language, you get used to it. And I think that mental shift is so powerful because you realize that yeah, you know, it's about I exposure was, and practice. Not I was reading two days ago an article. I can't remember what it was, but it was a, um, they did a research on uh, students learning Japanese and just by them, having the, you know, conversations in the background, just having the audio. Um, I can't remember now exactly what it was, but it helped them maybe like a 30% to differentiate sounds, you know, and it was just in the background. So just, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's just co- that concept of just, you know, getting used to it. And even if they don't understand it, you know, it, it helped them after to be able to differentiate sounds, things like that. Right. Which is the first step that, you know, Obviously, there are important differences between adult acquisition and first yeah. language acquisition as an infant, but but there's also similarities. And I think getting used to the sounds that is that is the same in many ways. I mean, yes, there are neurological differences. Babies' brains are open yeah. to all potential human sounds, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, but still, as adults, you have to give your brain enough time and exposure yeah. to get used to those sounds before you can pronounce it. And I think that's one of the problems is adults they're expected to start producing language without yeah. any exposure right and, and no wonder you develop these bad pronunciation habits and um you know these fossilized errors because you're you, you have not what i would going back to your thing about the person who they said they studied four years yeah. of spanish and they can only you know ask where the library is it's like you didn't learn spanish for four years you learned about spanish for four years and you probably got a total of maybe two hours of actual practice. Right. That's the thing. They didn't make also the learning meaningful because that's other difference that, you know, with kids, kids are like sponges, right? They get everything so fast, but because they don't go, they, if they don't experience it enough, they're going to forget it. While, you know, adults, because we go through experiences, we can connect um, though the language or those experiences to uh, to something that they're gonna remember. So we have, I think, as adults, we have the the advantage of having experience and having, you know, we already talk yes. one or several languages. So for us, it's easier to make those connections on how, you know, if you come to me right now and you explain me how the verbs work in German, I'm gonna get it because. You know, because of the experiences I had, while kids they don't. Um, so even for them, they are like, oh, I don't, 
I think I'm too old to learn a language. It's like, no, like it's just, you're going to be in a different state and you can make easier connections. But at the same time, kids are not, they don't have that um, self-consciousness or shame or, you know, that adults have. Yeah, they're yes. they're not afraid no, of making they mistakes. Just go yeah. Also, they just go for it. They have a uh, Sir Ken Robinson had that great TED talk, and he said, you know, kids have a go. They'll just they'll try it out. Whatever it is, they'll they'll yeah. try it out. They they have yeah. There's no fear of mistakes. Or that's our disadvantage like as, as for us as adults. But then we have that extra right. experience right. that you know we can yes. we can get things faster and we can get to harder concepts yes. way faster. Right. And we already know the concepts that I think is a huge underestimated or underappreciated advantage of adult learners is, you know, we already know what subprime mortgage yeah. means as a concept. And so if I'm learning a new language, I just have to learn the arbitrary sound that make that meaning. But I know the meaning, you know, a five-year-old kid, a 10-year-old kid, a 15-year-old exactly. kid, they don't really know what that concept is. So yeah, that's another thing. And huge huge difference i think that people forget is kids are getting 24 yeah. 7 immersion in that language whereas most adults if they're lucky they'll get a few hours a week i mean you can you can increase that you know a lot of what i talk about in language mastery is how do you create an immersion environment yeah. for yourself wherever you are you know change your phone language watch you know youtube videos listen to podcasts you know label stuff in your house all that kind of thing to to you know, flood yourself with the language no matter where you're in the world. But even then, it's still, it's a conscious, yes. effortful process to create that environment. Whereas the kids... And that's, that's the other no difference too, the motivation. Getting... What motivation a kid can have versus an adult. You know, um, if you're a kid, if you're learning Spanish or whichever language, it's mostly because your parents put you in that, you know, after a school club or... So you're just winging it right, and then right. you're just having fun. So heck, I'm just going to learn some Spanish. But... The adults mm-hmm. uh, that want to learn Spanish, there's always a motivation, you know, like um, if you met somebody, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or for a job, mm-hmm. you know, there's always that extra motivation that um, when addressed properly, you know, I think that's what's missing in high school. That is just like learning the language for the sake of passing an exam. Exactly. Yeah, it's re- Instead it's of, you exactly. know, yeah. making it yeah. something that is really going to help them in their life or something that is going to enhance or, you know. Uh, make their resume better or get more social skills or being able to communicate with other communities, you know, um, that's the difference in the motivation. So kids are, you know, they have it easier to learn on the surface, but then adults, we have more reasons um, to have a positive environment to, to make longer, I would say like longer, long-term learning processes. Right. And we can choose at least, you know, we can often choose how we learn, where we learn, when we learn, who we learn with, yeah. what resources we use, what language we're learning in the first place, you know, often. I mean, maybe things like English for a lot of people in the world, it's it's maybe a a professionally mandatory language for them to learn. But still, you can decide the how, the when, the who, the where, yeah. all those things. So, um, so I want to learn more about the app because I it's a fascinating concept that you're combining uh, meditation, mindfulness, um, lingual neuroprogramming and Spanish, which, as you said earlier, I mean, this applies to, I think all language learning or even all skill acquisition, but tell me more about how this idea came about and, and what, 
what the goal of the so we the started is. you know we have we have a school of spanish teachers we train more than 5000 certified teachers and you know we were just getting into how can we help them how can we create uh, you know, a better, envir- better environment for everybody. So we were like, okay, why don't we start, um, you know, creating as well, like a Spanish courses, right? So our teachers, we can employ our teachers. And then we started creating courses. And then um, we started adding meditations. I was like, I know, like, you know, based on uh, affective filter theory, I really want to work on their motivation, anxiety. And I changed it to be more like the resilience part because, um, um, Krashen says uh, motivation, anxiety, and self-esteem. But for me, anxiety and self-esteem can be kind of linked. So I prefer to add resilience. So we started, you know, developing how can we integrate these things into a Spanish course, and then we keep on working, developing more, and then we realize why, you know, instead of just creating another Spanish course, why don't we just take these, which is our differentiator? And try to help as many students as we can, you know, because if not, the students are like only going to be able to use all these uh, tools if they go through our course. But, you know, there's three million courses like they are studying in high school or universities. So we kind of change what we were doing towards something that I can, can help a lot more people. Um, and then we just started making a differentiation between um, learning meditations, which is more like um preparing you for things, you know, in uh, traditional curriculum, like before an exam, before a conversation class, before a class, you know, like things that happen more in a learning environment. And then we have meditations as part of them. So both of them are actually very active. It's not, you know, we have to fight a bit against the concept of meditation is you, you know, in Lotus Pose, just quiet and not doing anything. Right. So we have a more active way of doing it. So it's, it's you know, it's not going to put you to sleep. It's going to relax you, but it's not going to put you to sleep. And it's also like a more about visualization. So it's an active exercise. So you might be actually kind of responding in your mind, you know, or you might be taking part into what the meditation is doing instead of being passive. That's why we call it like active meditation. And then, yeah, we have both. So if you want, I can read you a bit of each one. So I think it's easier, right, when, when sure, you go through it. So, yeah. for example, the one that I was telling you about um, is the priming the mind. So that one is before the medita- the classroom or whichever thing you're going to do in Spanish. And it says things like, um, I, I am open to learning Spanish. I understand that I will make mistakes. It's okay if I don't pronounce everything perfectly. It's okay if I feel uncomfortable. I know I'm getting better every day. So that's a whole, you know, three minutes who goes through all these little things that our uh, monkey mind tell us, all the things that are wrong, you know. Um, And we've seen, like, amazing results with the after, you know, how they feel. And we have what we call a mindset tracker. So we we Mm -hmm. check with them on different levels, how are they feeling? How is their anxiety? How's the calmness? How is the motivation before? And then after. And that's how we can see the results. That's great. Yes. Because at the end of yeah. the day, it goes down to the data, right? To how much can we help them and how much is this making a difference in your learning process. So that would be an example of learning meditation, which is just priming the mind and making you making you uh 
be at your best. And then we have meditations as part of the curriculum. So, for example, if we are talking about um, physical description, you know, and you, you have learned today about the physical description in your class or you are, you know, studying on your own and checking that, then we have a meditation that is actually, actually a visualization of somebody you love. Um, so it will be something like we will start by visualizing someone. Maybe it is someone you know or love. Keep the first image that comes to mind. Continue breathing. Inspira. Expira. Imagine that person until the picture in your mind becomes clear. ¿Cómo es esa persona? Let's start by describing the physical characteristics. ¿Es hombre o es mujer? ¿Tiene el pelo largo o corto? Mm. So we are bringing that learning process and we are cool. mixing it yeah. and we are doing that, what we were do, saying before, that normalization of the language. You know, we're just dropping things right. and, you know, we're going to have different levels. So this will be for a beginner's level. But then an intermediate or advanced, you know, intermediate, it will have like, let's say half of it, it will be in Spanish and then the advanced, it will be all in Spanish. So even within uh, the same curriculum subjects, you know, we're going to have different uh, levels, but integrating the language. And some of the students are, you know, I was just listening to it and I didn't even realize you were putting things in Spanish in it. Mm, yeah. Because they're so relaxed and receptive to it. Right. I love the idea of, of integrating. I think that's a form of loving meditation, right. Or loving intention. I forget the name of it, but, um, I have done that in some other meditation apps, right. Where they you visualize a person and you send them, you know, may you be happy. May you be at peace. Um, it's such a cool way. To it's like, yeah, that. it's like take different. That's why we do NLP, positive affirmations, visualizations. We take all you know, all possible ways uh, to have a mindful learning process and we connect it with the curriculum. So, you know, this one is about physical description. Like, let's do a visualization of somebody that you love. Or, you know, if we are learning about vocabulary of the city, let's do a tour of, uh, of Madrid, in, you know. So it's, mm -hmm. that's why I was saying that it's active because it's not, the student is not there. It's just, you know, he's actually listening and responding in his mind. You know, it's actually a Yes. and picturing in yeah. his head yeah right that's it yeah that's great so when will this be available we are launching on the 29th of july so i don't know when. oh it's coming right up yeah cool so on the 29th we will be out cool cool and then going forward it, when it launches is it going to have those different levels of beginner and you mean advanced or is that something we're going to start with a beginner's level and then what we're doing you know you can have extra perks on indiegogo so if we reach the minimum after that we have extras so then we will be adding every level and then also um you know if we go extra we having videos uh that go you know it's like actors like you know we are talking about physical description there will be um professional actors making a video you know, talking about it. And also, um, if we have more perks, we will have as well infographics. You know, if we are talking about the physical description, we'll have like infographics for that. And then um, we will be adding as well um, sleep time uh, readings. So, mm. um, so those are all the things that we would like to develop further. And it's Indiegogo, it's, it's a structure in a way that if you get the minimum, 
that will be level one. And then whatever goes from there, we're just adding perks. And whoever bought before, it's going to have all of them. So that's good. Yes, you will get everything that, um, you know, is going to add up at the end of the, of the campaign. Got it. And then what, what is going to be the business model going forward? Is this like a freemium model where you get a certain level for free and then you pay for extras or is it just like we will a have subscription? some free content, but then it will be like a monthly subscription or we will make it easy to have, you know, like a year subscription for a better price on the monthly. So, right. Got it. Got it. As a way, you know, to cool. supplement your sounds- learning. So or just, I feel right. it's more for people who are studying Spanish and they want this extra or, or some people who have, you know, who want to get back into the game. This is a really good way for them to get motivation and get back into, into, um, be more active learning Spanish. Right. Well, I'm looking at it just from a purely financial point of view too, because, you know, I already spend some money on language learning resources and I already spend some money on on meditation apps and memberships, you know, and this could combine the two into one, you know, so it might, might save me some money. (laughs) So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I should also mention, um, just for those that are interested, you also, um, have the site diary of an entrepreneur. So for any, uh, entrepreneurs out there, um, that are wanting some motivation, I think you have some great stuff there to, kind of get people again i think it's kind of focusing on the psychology and the attitude and i see you, you have things as well about entrepreneurship and uh you actually talk about one of my mentors but todd herman and the alter ego effect yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's yeah i just i i don't know if you know um uh paula pant her her podcast about it's a part of the financial independence uh world but she had interviewed him on on her podcast and that's where I first discovered him. And I was, yeah, really intrigued by that idea of how you apply I, that to language learning because, you know, like in a Spanish class, people yeah. get a Spanish name and I think people think that's kind of just a silly fun thing to do, but actually yeah. there's a lot of power in doing that of adopting a new identity that I am someone. Who I think it was Spanish, in your, in your podcast with, um, I think he's Portuguese, Ida Rosa. I think he mentioned oh, yeah. something yeah. like, you know, I would put my yeah. mind into how will Antonio Banderas talk? Correct. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yes, yes, okay. yes. And I was yeah. so yeah. And yeah, it's like it's, that, yeah. you know, alter ego. How would I respond if I was Antonio Banderas, right? How will he pronounce it? Right. And it kind of gives you that, um, yeah. you know, that different. And it takes a bit of a, of that pressure out, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it gives you somehow it gives you more confidence and actually even more competence somehow just by imagining yourself as this other person that is, you know, so charismatic and confident and you become that yeah. too to some level. Or he, he did um, he did an interview and recently and he you know, he was talking like everybody has an inner Beyonce, right? <laughs> so right, it's, right. It's, yeah, and Beyonce yes. had an inner Beyonce. You know, yes. Beyonce yes. was her she inner a name for her alter ego. ego. Right. So that's big. Even what's yeah, I, forget. I can't remember her name, yeah. but yeah, that's you know, if if these things can help us, you know, to to get another to feel more 
I think those ideas are amazing. I think we need to find a way to apply the alter ego to learning languages. Definitely. And, and everything else, you know, I mean, I, I definitely have my podcast alter ego that is, you know, a, a good listener, a good, you know, mm. ask good questions is, is prepared. Like, you know, things that, you know, especially earlier on when I was first starting out, I, you know, I was interviewing people that were heroes of mine and it was, uh, you know, it's nerve wracking and it's, you know, you're like, Oh, is this going to go well? And, you know, are they going to, are they going to think I'm a fraud or, you know, and then, but going in with that alter ego of like, Nope, you know, we, we are equal. We're just human. And I think it, we're just humans. Exactly. Just connecting over, you know, a common topic of language learning, but yeah, it's so much more than that. Yeah. And that's the thing you've been doing this for like yeah. 10 years, right? Off and on. I've been absurdly uh, inconsistent. <laughs> And, uh, you know, as I've, that's true. That's negative. That's negative language. I'm, I'm labeling, I'm labeling. No. So I, I'll put it this way. I, I have, I have not been as consistent as I would like to be. And I'm this year, especially I've been much, much more focused on consistency. And so far missed a few, a few weeks, but for the most part, I've been really, uh, that's amazing. I, I, you know, and I feel that ten years in the podcast—that's that's that's, <laughs> that's a lot. Like now, you know, podcast had his moment years ago, and now it's kind of coming back. And you, you know, just by you being uh, yeah. through all of that, I think that has a lot of merit. So don't don't diminish it. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been fun to watch the whole podcast world evolve and expand. Because when I, I mean, when I first started in two thousand nine, even then I thought, oh, I'm too late. You know, it's already, it's already, uh, you know, there's too many players and, you know, I've missed wow. my chance. And that was 2009. <laughs> it, you know, and now with, you know, like, I think I, saw, I read a stat the other day that there's something like 3,000 new podcasts every month. Oh, wow. iTunes. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot out there. So, but we, we all have our, yeah. our unique, I think, um, story and our, and our unique way of looking at the world. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. I really, and you know, get a chance to meet new folks like you. It's it's a great excuse to have cool conversations that I wouldn't probably have otherwise. You know, I wouldn't sit with somebody for you know just an hour that I would yeah. that I didn't know ahead of time, right? So yeah, it's cool. So thank you. I appreciate you coming on, and I excited to try out the app and yeah, get some better. Uh, I mean, as much as I give lip service to mindset and philosophy and psychology i definitely still struggle yeah. with a lot of that same a lot of those same limiting beliefs i mean even having learned languages for over two decades i still yeah. struggle with a lot of the self-defeating you know self-talk so yeah i think it could be of help for yeah learners of that's, all levels. that's what we wanna you know we want to help as many people and the thing is like those things also like yes we are helping with these which is regarding to spanish but that attitude you know, spills over the rest of your life as well. And you become somebody who is more, you know, less self-judgmental and you can be more passionate um, towards yourself and toward others. That's, I feel that if we, if we can help them just a 10%, you know, or even a 1%, right? Even 1%, if you add it up, um, that will, if we can help, you know, their self-esteem and how they see the world and change a little bit, um, the way they see things to be okay, making mistakes and have more compassion. I think right. that's it. Yeah. People are yes. so mean to themselves. <laughs> I, 
one of the best bits of advice I've ever heard is treat yourself the way you would treat somebody that you love. Because because you would never you would never hold somebody else up to that level of perfection or yes. There are things that we say to ourselves that you wouldn't dare to say to somebody to another human, right? But tell them right. to ourselves like it's nothing. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 I'm working on that. Um uh, I've I've recently gotten into um Ooh. cognitive behavioral therapy, yes. CBT, and all these mental distortions we have and you know one of the most common mm. ones is labeling and i've been writing in my journal all the time it's like yes. oh i'm labeling i'm i'm calling myself cancel delete cancel delete this is, i should i'm not putting these exactly. out there yep, I, yep. it's being aware right it's yeah. starting to be aware of the things that we say how we say it and um you know not to be like this is not a pattern of mine this is just something that you know i want to change and that's um it's one of my friends says up until now you know so up until now this has been happening but it doesn't mean that you know it's gonna continue like that so that reframe of how we say things that really helps a lot but that's not you know we haven't learned that um since we were little right so um if we start doing more of those things, I feel future generations will be, again, more compassionate, more less judgmental. And, you know, we can change a lot. The, yeah. I would say like daily struggles that we all have. I'm, I'm optimistic. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people are sort of this growing awareness of how much, how we think and the words we use to ourselves or other people actually affects not only just how we feel, but even are literally changing the brain chemistry, literally changing, you know, at a physiological level, what is going on, starting with a psychological level. Um, no, it's fascinating stuff. So, yeah. So here's to a, here's to a more positive, productive future. And to those listening, definitely do go check out uh, the app. Which is And then I think it's, is it, yeah, diaryofanentrepreneur.com as well for those that are. Yeah, that's for more uh, for the entrepreneurship side yeah mm-hmm. which is cool and there's i think there's a lot of overlap too between entrepreneurship and, and language learning as well so yeah a lot of the same well, that's, I that's think. another podcast <laughs> yes indeed yeah we'll, we'll, we'll hold that for, for part two sometime in the future but awesome well thank you so much i really had a, a lot of fun talking and i'm excited to check out the app awesome cool we'll talk soon Thank you for listening. For show notes, go to languagemastery.com slash show. And if you'd like to support the show, there are two things you can do. Go to iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast and leave a five-star review. It helps more people find us. Or if you're learning Japanese, go to japanesemastery.com and check out my Master Japanese Guide, which shows you exactly how to create an immersion environment no matter where in the world you have to live. All right, we'll see you next Friday.